3: plushcare.com slash weight
1: loss. Could you imagine feeling as though you were born into the wrong body? I have a very special guest here today. And before we begin, trigger warning. We discuss sexual assault and other topics that may be triggering or sensitive. So please listen with caution. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the What is Eating You podcast. Hope you are having a fantastic week. I sure am, and I am so excited to have today's guest on the show. Dimitri is a neurodivergent transgender coach who has been transitioning from female to male Since he was 15 years of age, Dimitri started to document his transition at the start of lockdown, and his TikTok has grown to over 50,000 followers. And it is still growing because he brings out these amazing videos talking about his transition. He's transparent, he's out there, and he's not afraid to hold back. Not only that, he was recently on a reality TV show on the BBC. It's called Go Hard or Go Home, and this was the first time he came out as a trans and spoke about his struggles. Not long after, Dimitri spoke about how he was diagnosed with both ADHD and autism. So without further ado, Dimitri, welcome to the
2: show. You know what? I've said, is there anything else that they want to tick off the list at this point? I always joke around and say that I'm a, I'm a walking pharmacy at this point because I was the way that I always say even with like my autism and ADHD that when you get diagnosed with both of them it becomes your whole life and then slap being transgender that you're discovering who you now are and who you always have been for the first time publicly and you're you're doing it in front I'm doing it in front of the world at the moment and and it's a scary scary process because it's not just what's black and white and what people automatically assume that of people like me there's a lot more to it than just hormones and surgeries it's there's a hell of a lot that people don't see. That's why I say it's like the tip of the iceberg. Mm. You only see about this much, but there's so much more underneath that people are afraid to speak about. And that's how I got my niche because I spoke about things that not many people spoke about. I documented things that most trans men are like, oh my God, no, I can't do that. People will judge me. And I've sort of, I always say to people, like me doing reality TV was a massive thing for me as a trans man, especially with the BBC. and yes. um, With their like recent history with obviously my community and i said to anybody i've said to everybody and anybody that i've spoken to afterwards if i can come out on national television to a bunch of strangers that i didn't know live as a cisgendered man or a biological man for two days completely blag it and pretend to be a biological male then you can do anything in life because i've done it in front of the whole nation to see and other people in different countries if they've got vpns so anything's possible really
1: Oh my goodness, and there's so much I want to unpack here, you being on TV, coming out as a trans man, but let's maybe start from the beginning. So take me back to when I guess you first discovered, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this off air, but how did you come to realise that this was your path?
2: So I guess from a young age, I've always been into like your tomboy things. I hated wearing dresses. I wore one at prom but i felt like it was kind of i needed to for maybe my mum and dad and it it wasn't me i wanted to be there in a tuxedo but i think i guess i knew from a young age but there's one thing that i respect about my parents they let me live my life until i, I was ready to tell them they didn't force me into anything they've always said and they've always, i've always they've always been in front of it that they do not care that what I want to identify as my mum, my mum and dad have both said you can un- identify as a toaster as, <laughs> as long as you're you're a good person, like and you're not hurting anybody. That we don't care. We just want you to be happy. And it took them it took them a while to get their heads around it. And I think it's given for any parent because I always say, and this is what makes me different to a lot of people, that sometimes parents don't come round but sometimes they do because I've spoken about on my previous TikToks with the grievance process that your parents essentially, when you have a child, that you expect your child to grow up as the gender that the doctor tells you they are, that they're going to hit certain milestones that, that that gender would typically hit. Mm. For me to turn around and say to my mum and dad at 15 years of age, I'm so unhappy in my own body because I had to use Google. There weren't any trans people in my in my town. I come from a, a little town called stratford that in, in, in the UK that William Shakespeare's famous for very Tory populated town, LGBT isn't really a big thing here. It's become a little bit better now as the times have gone on, but it was very much a scary process. And I think my mum and dad, they blame themselves, which is normal for any parent because they said to me that they wished that they knew sooner. But Mm. I didn't know, I just thought, oh, and it wasn't until I properly looked into it and did my research because obviously being on the spectrum, I hyperfixate, so I pretty much googled everything I could and possibly find on the internet. I think I even used Wiki, and I know that's not a reliable source sometimes. But mm. anything I was just taking at this point to find out what I was feeling, because I think when I, because I didn't know, I didn't think I was normal. I thought there was something literally wrong with me. I was like, no, this isn't normal. Like, I was why am why am I feeling like I want to be a boy, but I was born a girl, and it was was school and that's the pressures crazy. of it all. And
1: apart from feeling. I want to be a boy, but I'm a girl. Were you feeling anything else? Can you describe more about the emotions or the thoughts that were going on? For I you? think
2: definitely starting female puberty and starting periods and growing breasts. I hated it. I tried to hide them. I hid my period away from my mum. I think it was about two months until obviously she found out because I'd made an accident. And she was like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, because I don't want them. Why have I got them? Like, I mm-hmm. I was adamant. That I didn't want kids because I think I just didn't want to give birth. and. Eventually something happened to me when I was 15 at school, trigger warning, I got sexually assaulted and that heightened my hatred towards my own body even more. Mm. And I thought of say that that was a pivotal point in me coming out as trans, whether that happening to me heightened those feelings that were already there. I can't tell you, but there's, I think there's a lot of us in the community that have gone through what I've been through before we came out, that it does in height, you already, already hating my body and my gender and hating my body parts as it is to them having that happen it made me even more heightened. And I was like, no, this is, I am right. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I should have been born. And spitting down and speaking to my parents about it, I know it broke their heart seeing that they had a daughter that was saying to them, I don't want to be a girl anymore, mum and dad. I want to be a boy. And them sort of having these, I was the only daughter on my dad's side of the family and that would have carried, that would have carried obviously his, I still can, but in his terms, carry a child that would, you know, and I think it hurt them a little bit more because they were desperate for a girl. And then everyone sort of joked around when I was younger that my mom was going to be pregnant with a boy, the first born was going to be a boy. And then mm. I came out as transgender. And my parents now they are the most accepting people. A lot of my content actually comes yeah. from my mom asking me questions, and it's the questions that she'll ask me that I'll sit there and I'll remember. I'll remember she asked me about obviously things in the bedroom, and she was like, "Okay, so do you do um." anal and I was like no mum that's not what I do I said I don't like it I said there's straight people that do that too mum I said but no and I had to sit there and explain my I was mortified I moved into here after I got made homeless and my mum found that naughty toy box that we all have when we're on our own and we we don't have partners or we do have partners and they might work away you know one of those one of those spicy drawers my oh, mum opened it did not know what any of it was I had to sit there and explain and there oh. was some of my transition stuff I was mortified I was 19, 20 years of age, and I was like, what? Well, I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. But we've got that relationship now after that happening. I think yeah. she could just ask me anything, and I sit there and go, If you ever did this to anybody else, they put, put you in a mental hospital, mum. And she's just like, she, we'll sit there and we'll just laugh about it. But she, I think, like with my mum, like she's so, I think she's so self conscious that sometimes she does slip up. She occasionally yeah. called me my previous name, or, and that's okay. I always say that if you've known somebody for so long, my parents knew me for 15 years as, as female them calling me I'm very open with my my old name but it's something you don't ask trans people because some people aren't as comfortable but my mum and dad is yeah it's some people aren't as open as their transition as me Um, some people want a dead name to be a dead name for a reason their old name is sort of their past but the way I see it is I was 15 years as Emily and Emily made me into Dimitri and sculpted means the man that I am today So when my mum sometimes calls me M or go accidentally goes she or my daughter, she'll go, oh, no, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, mum, it's fine. Like, stop panicking. And I think it's because there's so much pressures on social media around what is transphobia and what isn't that people are so scared to speak to somebody like me because they're worried they're going to offend me. I've turned around and said to people, unless you're being an absolute idiot and you're doing it with malice behind it, if you're generally curious and sometimes, like, it's curiosity. Not many people are going to meet a transgender person in real life you might do, you might not even clock because looking at me, you wouldn't think, oh, he was, born a, he was born a female. People think I'm a gay man. I don't mind that, even though I'm not gay. I don't mind it. It's got man on the end of it. Oh, a win's a win in my eyes, but that's the way I see it. And I think yeah. I'm just, I'm one of those people that I think for very, like, this has only been sort of the thing over the last year since filming my TV show. I met a lady called Heather Fisher. She played on the England women's team. Absolutely tank of a lady. And when I say I am not the man I am today without her, I'm really not. She had me at one of my lowest points on that show. And she told me to love the journey and the story that made me. And that is finally what I've started to do. And she put that play. And it's for the first time that I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I think anybody can do anything to me online or say anything or say anything about my transition. They'll never be able to take away how far I've come and what I've been through to get here. And that's what I always tell people like, no matter Who who is shouting the loudest at you and who the biggest hater in your life is? You've got yourself this far. You're going to get yourself even further, and they're not going to stop you because what they're going to ideally do about it, they're not unless unless they're the government. They can't really do much. So I always say, stop worrying about what other people do, and sort of do things for you because it's only it's your life at the end of the day. They can't live it for you, and it's why I always say to people as well in terms of transitions anybody can come out as transgender but only you can transition yourself you can't have other people do it for you you can have other people help you and guide you along the way like what we call uh trans fairy godmothers or fathers that are people <laughs> in the community that are like me
1: that yes, have yes. been out a while
2: we're a bit we're a bit older um we sort of know our stuff and I have like I feel honored when I get little trans I say little trans men they're like young trans some of them oh. are a bit older than me but they've only just come out and they can go hey mate like I watched your content and I've had parents reach out and I've sat there and gone I love that like what I just I post my videos not for like my fo- like not, not for following and not to gain a big platform that just happened I just started to document my journey and I've always prided myself on wanting to be the trans man that I wish I had when I was a kid yeah
1: yeah I love I love so, that you say that I wish I want to be the trans man I wish I had as a kid and just going back on what you were saying even I was vulnerable and nervous about this interview, you know, what if I say the wrong pronouns? What if I use the wrong term? Because it's not an area that I I work in regularly. I did work with a couple of um, trans teens when I used to work um, with youth, but it's not an area. So throughout this interview, if there's anything I say that, you know, uh, I could do better or I could, you know, we could educate the audience on, please let me know. Cause that's one thing I really love about your content as well. You are always taking accountability for something. I feel like you're always um, um. <laughs> owning up or reframing something. And I'm like, wow, it takes a lot of um I was going to say bulls, but I don't know if that's appropriate, but it takes. Oh, you can say
2: that happily. I've got metaphorical ones at the moment. I've, I, that's why I'm going to Canada to go look at actually getting some proper ones done because the surgeon over there is amazing.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. We've got to, co- we've got to come to that as well. There's so much <laughs> I want to cover here, but yes, please let us know throughout. Even if something is yeah. mentioned, like you said, not asking about their, um, yeah. their name or that past or exactly, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying, but yeah. Tell me about TV. I secretly have a fascination with reality TV because I've been asked to go on TV. I haven't actually done it because obviously as a psychologist, it's a you know, ooh, ethics and all that jazz. Uh, and yeah, I've yeah. spoken to a few people on Married at First Sight and just how things are edited and how they're actually produced. Tell me a bit about how you actually got on reality uh, TV and what the show is over there. Because I think in Australia, it might be similar to... I'm not sure if there's an equivalent here or what's the show Um, called?
2: So it's called Go Hard or Go Home. So it was a reality TV series that they took a group of teens, I say teens, a group of young adults out to. We filmed it in the Dominican Republic, so I can now say where it was filmed because that's been released. Um, And it was sort of like a mind, body, spiritual healing. So we were all there for different things. Like I was there to grow a little bit more confident so I went on without top surgery um I was actually off hormones at the time and was actually retrieving my eggs the following month when I came back home so there was a lot that people didn't know on the show and um for me going out there it was a massive thing for me because they picked up on me from social media I was like you know I asked my mum about it I went for my mum for some advice I was like mum I've been offered this. It's not dating or anything. Don't worry. Because my mum's always said to me, don't do a dating show on this. But I've said to yeah, her, like, everyone I don't think says I
1: that. Stay away from marriage. <laughs> went...
2: and... Her rules were for me don't sleep with anybody on TV, don't do anything stupid, and don't get yourself too drunk and embarrass any of us. Or don't tell any really bad, embarrassing stories because I ain't got no filter sometimes. And I have to, I've learned how to reel myself in now. But um, I think like having social media definitely helped. And it was. I got my claim to fame because I got slated in the tabloids in the UK by Daily Mail. Um, They took a TikTok that I said, reasons why women should date trans men. And they basically put down, because of the comments, there were comments off married women saying that they'd leave their husbands for me. So they put trans man claims you can steal any man's girlfriend because of the comments. They slated me. I went from 3,000 to 10, uh, I think it was 10,500 overnight. I was like, what the hell is this? Panicking, ringing my mum, and nobody at work anymore I was trans at this point in my old job. Bang, Daily Mail article pops up. Lab Bible pops up. My head, in, I didn't know this article was coming out and it happened at work. My head was like, oh, my God. Walked out of the office, and I was like, I'm going home. Nobody's telling me any different. I rang my mum, panicking on a 40-minute train home, going, because I, I used to work in Birmingham. I was like, mum, she went, I've seen the article, but what, have you spoken? I was like, no. But in the UK, tabloids can take anybody's video off TikTok and use it in an article without their permission because yes. it's public. It's public.
1: Oh my gosh. That's so true. That happened to me the other day. So I have like a secret TikTok account where I just post random stuff, my Greek family, just comedy. Yeah. And I put this hack that I thought i discovered about getting an upgrade to business class. And the next thing I know, people were sending me articles and they're like, Australian woman has found the hack for business class. I've seen that. It was on my Facebook. I was like, I swear that's
2: you. <laughs> I was like, it is.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, do of but all. But I'm trying heroes- to, go, I'm going to
2: use that when I go to Canada. If it works. I will be making a recommendation video and I'll show people I've got an upgrade. So (laughs) I'll I'll give it a go and let you know if it works.
1: Thank you. And I think it can go either way. I've had people's videos blow up um, really positively and really negatively. But in this case, you were that guy that was going to take married wife's husbands. Is that what they were saying?
2: Yeah, they called me a bit. So, you know, the song like Mr. Serial Girl by Peter Andre. And obviously I am quite dark featured. So people automatically thought I was from the same culture is him and I was like secret. no that's
1: he's actually Greek yeah and
2: I'm not I'm Cypriot I am like I I thought so with your uh with your olive skin I was like she's definitely <laughs> not just Australian it's not it's not the uh the golden tan that you guys get over there That a lot in England just get rain constantly but no they uh deemed me as him um and from the song and I made a joke out of it up in the back. i think i've taken down the video now i don't know if it's still up it might be i'll have to have a look afterwards but i'm dancing to mr still your girl is back and i also did the one to the uh peter andre song as well and it just it made my mates buckle and that's what started growing my platform because i think people realize that a bad story about me and i always say to people if it ever happens to you it's today's news and tomorrow's chip paper and it's true like it will it'll be it'll be old news it's the same with anything in life whether it be i don't know that you've You've had a really horrible day with your boss, you'll forget about it in a two days' time, and you'll be all right. like I always say that to people, and I think that sort of taught me a lot about social media and about the side of trolling that I never knew existed. I was I'm just posting these videos out here, just my own fun sort like, of not really taking it seriously,
1: yeah, and I and can, yeah, I can just see by what you sometimes um post or the comments there's so much i don't know, like it seems like there's a lot of drama as well in the in the trans community sometimes I I don't want to go into the details but it yeah it seems like there's a lot of drama
2: yeah I think I just wish the community was different it used to be um I don't know why it's changed but I wish it would go back to how it was I think lockdown really messed a few of us up it's become like it's some big competition of who can swing their dick bigger in -hmm. the community and if you haven't transitioned the traditional way, and I did it a little bit different, I self medicated. Never recommend it to anybody. I made myself really poorly. I was desperate for hormones, and I knew that was how I could get hormones because I watched somebody from America do it online. I was like, "Oh, well, I can do this." No, I was buying cattle testosterone offline and nearly killed myself. Wait. So you need to this talk is why.
1: Wait. Yeah. We need to talk about that. Yes, because I want to ask about hormones. So in Australia, essentially. I don't know how hard it is to get hormones but if if a young person came to me and they identified as as trans I would send them to a specialist and we get them either on mm-hmm. puberty blockers as soon as possible or hormones but in order to receive it's really interesting as a psychologist we use a yeah. book called the DSM5 to diagnose but gender dysphoria is the one um condition that needs to be medically approached so whenever we come across that we straight away need to consult with you know medical professionals so they can either go on um, puberty blockers which essentially stops puberty and then yeah on the hormones what's it like over there and how did you come to self-medicating
2: so in the UK trans healthcare is absolutely awful and if the Prime Minister is watching this, please pull your finger out your arsehole and do something because it is really important. You've got trans people dying every single day because we're waiting for surgeries and treatment. So sure. I presented it as trans at my GP. They referred me across to the Gender Identity Clinic in 2016, in the July, I think it was. Yeah. And this was before I... Publicly came out. I did it like when I was socially transitioning because I publicly came out at 18. Like I socially transitioned at 15, like between friends and like school and stuff. But I never really had social media until 18 because my parents were very anti it. And sort of me doing that and then sort of waiting for years. As a nutshell in the UK, I was only seen last August for my first ever appointment. That first appointment in the UK means you were seen by a psychologist and you were given your first signature for gender dysphoria. You then are seen by a nurse that speaks to you. You have to write, I think every uh, gender clinic is different in terms of NHS in the UK, but this is what mine did. They made me write an autobiography on myself about my story and about how I came out as trans. I then spoke to a doctor that did a physical exam, saying my height, my BMI, all that sort of stuff. And then I met with a second psychologist that then diagnosed me with gender dysphoria. I was already on hormones at this point. So I had both signatures done. I'd already had top surgery done privately. And they've told me now that I've got to wait six months to be seen again, to be find out where my place is on the bottom surgery list in the UK. Bottom surgery list has now closed for any new referrals because there is such a backlog. And I have been waiting since 2016 to be seen and have lower surgery that it's trans healthcare is so expensive. Like my top surgery, I was very lucky that the company that did mine, Cosmedicare, Jill is brilliant. She's a mum of a transgender daughter herself, so she makes it affordable and fair. She donated money out of her own back pocket, not even the company's. She put £600 towards my surgery because she knew how hard I was working. And she accommodated me so well. I paid £6,790 for my surgery. Now, wow. for women to get a boob job, they don't need diagnosis. They don't need surgery signatures. They don't need a gentesquery diagnosis. But for somebody like me that lives in their own body and just wants to live comfortably, because binding is painful. It's like, you know, a corset that women wear. Yes.
1: yes. So, yes, tell us a little bit uh, about what binding is, because I did have a client who... um told me a little bit about it and there's just so much to know so for the for the listeners can you please explain a little bit about binding and then a little bit about top surgery and what it involves
2: so with binding it is basically compressing your chest to appear flat, like what I've currently got at the moment and it can consist of you taping so using I think I might actually have some hand hang on I do this is my scar tape though but it's very similar to this so it's like the plasters that you get in the hospitals, if I take what? it out. A very thick tape. Yeah, it comes across. So they're normally a bit bigger than this. It's like, kin- is it kinestology tape, however you pronounce it? No. We get that in and we basically put it across. And bearing in mind, you have to cover your nipples because if you don't cover your nipples, you're going to rip skin and it hurts. But you can either tape and hold it down. But the problem is with taping, doesn't ha- the, the bigger, lads, bigger lads who have got the bigger chest... Mm. doesn't really work for them doesn't appear flat but with taping I did it in the Dominican and I am telling you the blisters it rips your chest like even binding you can't wear a binder for over 12 hours because then you start compressing your internal organs the way I describe it is that you are wearing a corset but up here but as tight as on the tightest runk you can possibly get it and some lads are like I always speak to lads about binding breaks and taping breaks massively like anybody that I speak to and give advice to or coaching or anything like that mm-hmm. because if you bind too long or you don't bind safely and correctly you can damage your chest for top surgery which means that you one might not be applicable or two your results are severely affected and that's why some people do end up with not the greatest of top surgery results and it's, it's not their fault I get what it's like some of the bigger like the bigger lads I was lucky that I didn't really have much coming out as trans, but then mm-hmm. injecting estrogen, I ended up going from I think I was a B cut, really flat chested, originally gonna have um parry, which is like keyhole incisions, to then having a double mastectomy with double D tits. And I was like, what the hell? But I thought at the end of the day, I got to, I thought I froze my eggs, I can have kids in the future. I don't care. They're they're coming off either way at this point. But yeah. with there's with top surgery
1: to consider so
2: much we literally.
1: If I have children, breastfeeding, like there's there's so much you've brought up, squishing my organs just by and the amount of I guess discomfort you, you have to go through just to feel like yourself on the inside. Uh yeah, it's it's a level of empathy that I'm feeling right now.
2: I guess the way I describe dysphoria is imagine that you are being waterboarded and you're screaming and no one can hear you and you see yourself. Like, completely free, completely fine, living the life that you've always wanted and you're not in that moment. That is how I describe dysphoria to people. It's not hormones and surgeries are going to cure it. I had really bad dysphoria about my whole self until I started hormones. That got a little bit better. I then got top dysphoria. I then had my top surgery. I have then had problems down there, leading to me getting a hysterectomy in the next few months. When that goes, I'm going to want lower surgery. It is like a domino effect. And even after lower surgery, I sometimes... My dysphoria isn't is, isn't great at times, but sometimes it's absolutely fine. It's mm. I compare it to like it's like depression. It's something that's always going to be there. You just have to learn how to get dust yourself off of and just deal with it and think, Do you know what, it's not going to beat me today. And it's like I look my fear in the face every single day and wonder am I man enough for the world? Mm. And mm. it's horrible because I think trans men are so scared if we if you don't have a beard and you've not You don't, you're not masculine presenting because of male stereotypes. And it's not even just coming down to being trans at this point, Mike. Even normal, like saying males, not normal, but males that are biological males, that stay biological males. There's that president. They've got to be these big brawly men that have got to be into their football in England or into their rugby and go drinking with the lads and crack jokes about girls and sleep with however many girls because their friends are doing it. There's so much that not even just trans people have to feel like we have to live up to to fit into male society, but also that even biological men have to fit into. And this is why I always say to people, transitioning isn't just transitioning into an agenda because everybody transitions in their life, regardless of what we go through. And that's what I try and say to people that if you can never, and I always say this, nobody will ever understand what a transgender person goes through unless you've gone through it yourself. You can empathise, you can try and understand, but you won't ever know what it feels like. And I ruffled a few allies feathers recently. They were telling me, well, I know what it feels like because I've watched people go through it. I said, yes, you've watched. And somebody used an analogy, I won't mention names, but they said because they don't like their boobs, that that means they know what gender dysphoria is like. Gender dysphoria, you have to feel gender dysphoria to be transgender. And I know that's a very blasé opinion because gender dysphoria to me is... And I don't speak for a whole community, I just speak for myself because this is what I always say because people see me as a creator that is trans and thinks. Oh, he speak I'm not Dylan Mulvaney and I'm not Caitlin Jenner, unfortunately, guys. As much as I'd love their following, I'll never I'll never speak for a whole community of people. I speak for myself and if people agree, they agree. If they don't, they don't.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's what I, I say to people. We're all different, regardless of being trapped like me being trans, I'm yes. still just Dimitri that just was born in the wrong body.
1: Exactly. And I think it's important to point that out that What we're speaking about today may not apply to everyone. Everyone is different, but I might just quickly define. So gender dysphoria, we've all heard of uh, body dysphoria or muscle dysphoria. Uh, Gender dysphoria is the distress felt by people whose sense of being male or female differs from the gender they are assigned at birth based on their sex. So they feel that like you said, they're in the wrong body, and this can cause so many secondary um, impacts: distress, anxiety, depression, negative self-image, a strong dislike for your sexual uh, anatomy. And it's really interesting because it's in the DSM, which is the the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, but it's not just a um, a mental illness. It's the it's the mismatch from The experienced gender assigned gender at birth. So I'm just I'm just curious, how do um, trans people feel about the term gender dysphoria, or how do you feel about it? Do you think it's necessary? Do you think um, no, it's just a physical thing?
2: So a lot of people argue the toss about being gender dysphoria being a mental health problem. In my opinion, it is. Like hating your own gender and hating your own body that much is a mental turmoil. It's not. Like, gender dysphoria, you don't just have gender dysphoria, you end up triggering loads of other mental health problems that, Jesus, I've got anxiety and depression. Like, it, there's so many things that I have that relate to my dysphoria. And for me personally, I do think the diagnosis needs to be there because, yeah, one, there's a lot about the transitioners at the moment. And I have my own opinion on things and it's it's one of those things that it's a bit hit and miss that I stir a pot and it's not a pot, a beehive that I want to really stir. Mm. Um, But in terms of it, I do think that to be actually transgender, you need to have gender dysphoria, not just body dysmorphia. I mean, like body dysmorphia and gender dysphoria are very similar, but they're completely different. Like people, transgender people who have gender dysphoria tend to have body dysmorphia as well because we hate our body parts. Mm. But that's where the differentiation Mm. is. And I think... That there needs to be, I I get with the GIC waiting list being ridiculously too long, it needs to be shortened. But I do understand with NHS, you have to have lived as your assigned gender for two years, which I think needs to be done. Like you have to live publicly, socially, like, and I will, I think for me in terms of gender dysphoria, some people may say I've rushed my transition. In my opinion, I haven't. I did what I did because I needed to make myself happy. And that's my own prerogative. I think the one thing I want to say to people, and there's a lot of judgment, especially on TikTok, because of big trans creators, everyone's transition is personal to them. They do not have to rush it. They don't have to fit your narratives of what you think a woman or a a trans man or a trans woman should be. Like, it's like gender dysphoria. I can't sit there and say what I think gender dysphoria should be because everyone's experience with gender dysphoria is different. Some people might have a dysphoria of something that I don't have. And some people might not really have much dysphoria, but some people might just be so overwhelmed with dysphoria. And I come across so many people on a daily basis that are so different and there's there's no way to really measure it, which I think is so hard to try and navigate it in terms of healthcare and stuff. And I think if they put somebody like me in a room with all these psychologists like yourself and we turn around and go, "Well, this is how we feel. This is what we think that you guys need to do to support us. Open a two way conversation because at the moment it just seems like biological versus transgender, mm. and we're at war with each other when it we should be having a Switzerland in the middle waving waving the white flag going, "Come on guys, we'll all sit at a table because I always say there's a lot of everyone loves to talk about toilets when it comes to trans people. it seems to be the hot topic conversation top, what of was that? who goes to what toilets so like restrooms so oh, which to, which toilet is toilet yeah, what toilets work for trans ask? people? They say that so there's a lot in the UK that trans women shouldn't be in women's spaces and that because then because it's making women's spaces unsafe. I always say to people, if you're going to say trans women are predators, then you can't just tell a predator just because of what they look like. Women are predators, biological women are predators, yeah. but I feel like trans women in the press is it's disgusting they criminalize them so much they make them out to be be these bad horrible people and I know trans women that are absolutely lovely and brilliant and they're so caring they just if a trans but it's never spoken about if I go into a male bathroom with the parts that I still have and there might not be a cubicle and I don't have an STP what am I going to do I can't exactly pop a squat over the urinal can I And any I could get sexually assaulted in the male toilets, but that's never spoken about. Trans men are always Mm. as horrible as it sounds, we're pushed to the side because of how much bad negative stuff there is about trans women, that nine times out of ten it's not true and it's written by people that aren't even transgender, that have bigoted views and I'm just sat there going This is why people don't like us because of stupid idiots online with their narratives. And there's so many people in my community. I hate it. There's misinformation out there that because they see us attacking each other, they see us calling each other out, which is, I hate calling people out. But at the same time,
1: if I don't, then people look at me going, well, why are you sitting quiet when that's happening? When you have a platform, people expect you to speak out about certain topics. Um, Oh my gosh. Let's go back to the start. So we were talking about how UK healthcare system is really poor. And it's it doesn't sound like it's just um for transitioning. I've been told ADHD is really hard to diagnose. Whereas in Australia, we are very blessed. And like I said, gender dysphoria is the one condition we need to treat medically because in order yeah. to quote unquote get the hormones or, or get what you know, the medication, you have to have yeah. that diagnosis. So psychologists do play A role in that, but tell me about what led you to self-medicate and potentially put your life at risk for hormones.
2: I would always say to anybody if you are watching, if you are self-medicating, please go and get your testosterone checked by your doctor. If you've been doing it for six months or more, they can they have to bridge prescribe you because it is classed as self-harm. If they don't bridge prescribe you, they have to monitor because they have a duty of care as your practitioner and your healthcare provider to make sure that you are injecting yourself with hormones safely, because if you inject too much, it converts back to estrogen, you inject too little, you get a whole other lot of problems and it can cause you to get things like pericarditis like I had at 19 and potentially they still are trying to work out if I had a mini heart attack or not, they can't work out. My heartbeat's never been normal since. And what led me to sort of do that is because I would have only just started hormones back in, I want to say, September. I would have only just started hormones in September if I wouldn't have self-medicated. Now I've oh, been on the yeah. yeah, because what? of the wait list. Yeah.
1: So, so you've gone, was- because this gender dysphoria and gender concerns, it's such a time pressing issue. You need to get on it straight away. That's what we were trained, you know, um, 15, puberty young kids, like you need to consider these early because time is such a crucial factor and let alone the mental stress that would have on you. So if you didn't self-medicate, you would have been, what, 22,
2: 21? I would have been, if I wouldn't have been self-medicating, I would have been 23.
1: So I would have only just gone on
2: to hormones. Oh. With no hormones. With no hormones. So I would have been, so I, I can't work it out now. So I'm 23 now. So I would have been, yeah, I would have only just, I would have only just turned 23 in the August. So I literally would have started hormones in September after the 29th because I had my gender dysphoria diagnosis come through the 1st of September and I had my surgery on the 7th of September and that's what I was waiting for because they wouldn't operate on me without it. No surgical provider will in the UK unless you've got gender dysphoria and you've got a signature saying this is what you've got mm-hmm. They will not they won't operate on you no cl- I don't know about any other places but and
1: why they tend did they to... diagnose you earlier? Why didn't they diagnose you at 15 or 16 with Gender dysphoria.
2: My mum and dad said to me that they wanted me to make sure I was one hundred and ten percent sure. Right. So I understand it. Like I am in full support of my parents doing that. Not every parent is going to do that. My mum said to me to make sure that I was one hundred and ten percent sure. She wanted me to go through female puberty. Now some people might go, "Oh, your parents horrible for doing that." I don't think they were. I think that they maybe realised, "Yeah, this is what I want to do," and I was so sure. And I said to my mum, "I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want." this I don't want this and I turned around at 18 and said can I blah 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 blah. I didn't tell my mum I was self-medicating she actually only found out from my TikTok she didn't know the whole time and when she found out I best believe she told me off but she understood why I did it because the wait is so long that people don't realize that if like the hormones that I'm on that a biological man can go and get those just if he's got a little bit of low testosterone and yes. he needs a booster. I have to have a whole diagnosis to be able to get the same thing.
1: It's messed up. And I know a lot of men in the fitness industry, the gym industry, it is so easy to get um, you know, metabolic steroids, testosterone, all this. That's what i was using. <laughs> it's really unfair. I didn't realize this until now. But for someone who has such a time-sensitive um, condition, they make it, so hard so why why is it i guess so challenging to to get them so you were led to um self medicate and yeah take us a little bit through that process because you would have been quite young and you're doing it in secret i imagine that would have been very scary for you
2: i was absolutely petrified and i told a porky pie when i was uh, i stopped self medicating at 19 but i started at 18 um I told people I was prescribed hormones because I was petrified. If anyone in the community found out I was doing it, it was sort of shunned upon at that time. Yes. It was sort of you were frowned upon for doing it. And it wasn't until there is a guy called Seb. Um, There's also a guy called Zach. They both clicked that I was doing this. And they turned around and went, Dimitri, you're going to seriously end up in a in a box if you carry on. This is so dangerous.
3: Mm. And
2: it eventually got outed on social media that I was doing what I was doing. And eventually, when it came to me sort of coming back to social media, I turned around and went, yeah, I'm self- I am self. I used to self-medicate. I don't recommend it. This is why I did it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Do you know what? And that's why I lay myself there on social media, because the way I see it is, even in, within the community, any community, you're always going to have people out there that will try and dig up your old skeletons. I put my old skeletons out there, and if anybody asks me anything, I'm always 110% honest, and I normally make a video about it, because I'd rather put my story out there and it come from the horse's mouth itself than somebody Mm. with a twisted version and a twisted narrative to try and paint me out to be a bad guy, because that's the way that I see it is I will always say to people, it doesn't matter if you've known somebody who's transgender for years, Mm. if you've only just seen them, their story, regardless of them being like me, who are publicly out there on social media, is their story alone to tell when, whenever and to whoever they feel comfortable, regardless of me being on TV. If you didn't know or see any of me on social media and we met in the street, it's my prerogative to tell you that I'm transgender if I want to and if I feel safe to do so. Not to, for I don't know, maybe one of your friends might know me and they go, oh, well, you know, he's transgender, right? One thing I hate is being introduced as, oh, that's Dimitri. He's my transgender friend. Ooh. And I look at people and go, I'm not some little person in a petri dish for you to poke and parade about. And what? Because having, it's like ha- when having a gay best friend was trendy. It's now having a trans best friend. And I'm just like, we're not your puppets. Yes. We're human beings. We were just unfortunate. I always say this. I'm a man within my own right. I'm never claiming to be biologically a male because, after I've seen of what some of what the male species are like, I don't want to be one. No, thank you, not my guy. I'd rather be in touch with my feminine side. Have a bit of like a paternal, like maternal yeah. side to me. I want to wrap people in cotton wool. I'd rather have that than think with me. Think with my penis like some men do. I'd rather have that, and. Like, I will always say to people, like, regardless of anything, like, I'm just me. And people can take me as they want to. But I always say I'm sick of people judging my community on what one person has done. You shouldn't hold somebody accountable, for the whole, the whole community accountable. Because, what, somebody's made a stupid mistake? Yeah. And we see it online recently with obviously with all... In the UK, we all know about it, these live battles. I'm not sure if you guys did them over in Australia where it's a leaderboard and people get competitive and they start being horrible. It's very bad in the UK, it's very dramatic. And it seems like these trans people do the leaderboard and they all come at each other. And I'm sat there going, What the hell? And I'm sat there going, Mm -hmm. You're literally young, you're younger than me, you're like 19, you're 20. And I'm thinking, I sit there and I go, People are gonna look at you and think we're all like that. And it's I will always say to people with wholehearted trust, it doesn't matter what you identify as, who you want to love, what conditions you've got wrong with you, take that away from somebody and hold that person accountable for them as a person, not on what community or anything that they belong to, if that makes sense. And
3: yes,
1: yeah,
2: there's preconceived judgment about us and I hate it. I absolutely hate it because we're not these big, bad, horrible people that JK Rowling paints out that goes around dressing up in men or women's clothes and we're going out to hurt individuals. Transgender people are probably going to be one of the loveliest people you ever meet yes. we wear our heart on our sleeves we just want to be loved and accepted we're not nine times nine times out of ten what you see about people trying to take away from women's rights it's literally the left wing radicalists that are jeffrey marsh and i am not ever going down that rabbit hole or on that subject on anything because i have very strong view- viewpoints on that person in particular mm. it was very very damaging to people like me and what we stand for and it's people like that that make whole communities look bad, that people think they're big, these big, bad, horrible people because of what they read or what they see. From, but in reality, we just want to live our lives without being hate crimes and live as agendas that we identify as that eventually no one's going to say boo to the goose. And we don't have to sign a document that says or tick on a box that we're transgender in fear of getting hate crimes. I just want to live my life as a male and... That's it. ...go about my life and not have anybody summarize that's all majority of us want, want
1: it. you summarize it perfectly we just want to be loved and accepted and I think that's such a beautiful statement even I saw another post um by an influencer who's quite out there particularly with fashion and he was saying that you know when you go out on the street yeah you get a dirty look but it's over and over and over again and they're constantly exposed to it but for us it's just like oh look at you know that person walking down the street we might just oh that's a bit strange or we but imagine for us it's a passing moment and I don't mean to say us and them but what I'm basically saying is you'd get exposed to this over and over again when you just want people to just mind their own business get on with their day because they don't realize that cumulative effect of different people um commenting or judging or saying things so I think just to be so super mindful uh if you're listening to this and yeah you come across um someone who yeah may be vulnerable to that it's like me yeah exactly but so I, I always say to
2: people it's like in terms of when you look at a transgender person you look at somebody that might not ask as the gender they now identify as you don't need to tell them It will make them feel 10 times worse. You just go, just like the best thing to say in terms of if you're not sure on someone's pronouns, go with they. It's the safest thing. They or them. It's gender neutral. You can't go wrong and they will correct you. And if you turn around, just go, listen, I don't want to come across as offensive. But what pronouns do you go by? Because I don't want to offend you and misgender you. That's not what I'm about. But I always say to people in terms of giving people a look or going, what's that? Imagine your biggest insecurity and everybody is looking at you and you're walking down the street naked with your biggest insecurity showing and heightening it by 10. That's what a trans person feels like when we get those looks or those slight little comments or it might be you calling me a girl on a post. I look at things and as horrible as it is, a lot of trans people do this. We can have hundreds of nice comments. It takes one comment and we're just like, oh, well, I look like a girl. So, and it triggers our dysphoria.
1: It's Yes, 100%. And yeah, comments on social media, that's just other people projecting their own, um, insecurity or their own hate onto others how did you come to the point where you were self-medicating and you almost died tell me a little bit about that and th- did that cause you to to stop or were you then prescribed um hormones what happened
2: I was petrified um and I remember it like blackest day I was in Birmingham with my ex-girlfriend Clubby and we had a bit of a party a bit of a barney, as couples do. Um, she's my best friend uh, still to this day. She has watched me transition. She actually watched me self-medicate. I didn't tell her. She lynched me, best to believe. She told me off for it. Um, she was also one of the reasons why I stopped um, because I didn't want to let her down. And that girl will always have my heart. She's been there from the minute that I started my transition to now, and she's always going to be my best friend. I remember we were on a night out, and we had an argument, and I remember this horrible feeling in my chest. I was drinking a pint, and I collapsed to the floor i don't remember anything after that point i then wake up in russell hall with my mum at the side of the bed in when i was in the icu and they were going yeah you you, like you nearly died mate like we think you've had a heart attack you've definitely got pericarditis because that runs in your family but yeah we think you you've potentially had a heart attack and i was like wait what i was like not even i wasn't i was 20 20 at this point i think i was 19 20 coming just coming up 20 it was just for my birthday and i was like what the hell, I was at my peak, I was really fit, I wasn't, I would never, I'll never. I'd have an occasional McDonald's here and there and I smoke, but that's about the most unhealthy thing that I do, not yeah. a big drinker, and I was thinking, I'm at my physical point, what the, and, and obviously they found in my bag, because I had my overnight bag, because we were staying at a hotel, and mm. they looked in the bag and my testosterone shot was in there, and that is when they found out. And my mum didn't know because obviously I was an adult. I made the doctors not tell her. I was like, "Please don't tell her; she's going to murder me." They just turned around and said that I got spiked because I just turned around and was like, "I don't want my mum to know because she'd worry more." And mum, when you do do this, I'm really, yes, really yeah. sorry that I uh, lied to you, but I was protecting you. But and did you, it was that
1: for a fact. It was the testosterone
2: that made you unwell. It was because I wasn't injecting proper testosterone that bodybuilders use. I brought up a black market website online i thought oh yeah 15 pound for a vial really cheap that's some cheap test- i injected t- t- testosterone that is meant to be used on cattle <gasps> so farm animal. that is you what were caused were me-
1: injecting cattle testosterone without even knowing it
2: yeah and oh, i wasn't wow. having my blood work checked. that's how dangerous it is and that's what caused me
1: and how long my was that going on for
2: just over a year
1: one yeah what impacts does that have if someone is injecting what they think is testosterone, but it's cattle testosterone. What does that do to your body?
2: It made me very angry. I will not sit here and admit that I'm a saint. I was verbally horrible. I was like, my mum will tell you, like, if you ever have the privilege of speaking to her, I was horrible. I had a mouth on me. Like, I, was, I wasn't I was with my fists. I was nasty with my mouth. And I, uh, I hurt a lot of people in that time really really bad and I regret it now and I became the nastiest version of a trans man you could become and I got cancelled because of some of the things I was doing and it made me I generally felt like I had like I I had bipolar or something because I was just like no this like I wasn't myself and I was like this is this is something it's not right but I just continued doing it thinking oh like they say about roid rage rage, everyone's
1: gonna get angry
2: And, but then it got progressively worse and I'd start going to the gym and my chest had hurt and I go, ah, maybe I've just done a little bit too much weights. And then I was drinking on a night out and I don't know, I think, I I think I've I've had an argument, obviously with Chloe, it stressed me out even more. And I think that's what triggered it. And I'm a more firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And me collapsing down to the floor, got me to stop and actually got the doctors to go, you've been, it's classed as self-harm. We need to take over your care now. We need to intervene now. You're not going to have hormones for two months till it's out your system. We're yep. going to flush out your system. They kept me in hospital for a week. And then ever since then, my GPs have overtaken my care and my 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 nurse at my GPs is absolutely brilliant. She fights my case so many times with my gender click in terms of getting things across to them because they keep saying we can't find your blood results. And we're like that on the system. And they just keep emailing and sending rubbish emails because... It feels like when you've got a gender clinic and you've got a GP, it's like you're trying to marry them both together and they're both not quite fitting because one's yeah. not working and yeah. it's just like, and they're like, well, you can't have this done because we've said this and my GP's going, no, he needs this done because this is happening. We've known our patient for X amount of time. You've only seen him twice on a video call. And it's just like they're arguing. I'm like, listen, this is my life you're fucking jolting around with and my healthcare. Can you just sort it out, please? I don't um, need to laugh, but trans I, I understand like what this. you're
1: saying. I understand. And that would be so frustrating so frustrating for you but it really saddens me that it had to get to that point for you to be seen and treated adequately
2: a lot of trans men and it isn't spoken about lose their life to self-medication and it's something that I'm on the forefront of getting stopped in the UK I have don't get me wrong I have had trans men whether they tried to get me cancelled on social media to do all they generally wanted to know how do I get testosterone before being Is medicated that- or being gendered that's, that's what, what they, they ask me. I turn, I, say, I say, I'm not advising you. I said, but there is one way around it. You can go to your GP and under uh, Mental Health Act, they can actually pre- like, take it to the NHS board. It's very rare cases that it happens. And I would not gatekeep this information. I've only recently found out about this from another trans individual that did it. That's a close friend of mine. He's went to the GPs with his mum, and he has years of psychological background in terms of suffering with depression. If you have that, you can literally go with that documentation to your GP and you have years of even getting a psychological assessment of a private psychologist
3: Mm. and
2: going this is what I need you to do they can bridge prescription you because if you turn around and say well listen and it's as horrible as it sounds sometimes as trans people we do have to pull the mental health card to get actually listened and heard to because
1: 100% being a
2: minority we don't get listened to and the amount of arguments I have had to try and get my hysterectomy for the last three years of being constantly in pain and bloated and oh. my ovaries twisted, and me still bleeding whilst being on a blocker and on testosterone. Three years I have fought with my with my blooming gender clinic, because luckily my gynecologist has turned around and gone, well, we're overriding them now. We're going to go do it anyway. You help your mental health because I my hormones aren't regular. They're too high in estrogen or they're too high in testosterone. There's no middle point. So I'm up and down like a yo-yo. And for me, it is mentally draining me. So this is why I'm so flipping I'm on social media, and I'm apologising so much because not only did I start ADHD medication a month ago, I've got hormone imbalance, my body's constantly chronically in pain, and I'm just here, there, and everywhere. And I'm thinking, I don't know when I'm coming and going, and then I'm going through a transition, trying to navigate being medicated with oh, yeah. my ADHD, trying to navigate my transition, and when I'm going to get my, my baby maker out. And I'm thinking, what on? And then navigating work and social media, I'm just like my brain's like. It just doesn't stop.
1: No wonder you're doing this uh, podcast at midnight. <laughs> you probably don't sleep, but um, also... I sleep four hours and seem to something. <laughs> oh my gosh! But when you said earlier, when you noticed you were really angry when you were on the um cattle testosterone without realizing, I was thinking, oh, that sounds like um, you know, ADHD you can have uh, outbursts or um autism. And I guess when did neurodiversity come into the picture? How? Because again, that is so underrecognized, underdiagnosed. And in Australia during the pandemic, it was this huge movement of um women realizing that undiagnosed ADHD. And that's how I blew up on tiktok actually i blew up because i did commentary on married at first sight but then i re sort of blew up when i started talking about adhd you comment you i remember
2: you because you did it for tom for married at first sight yes i believe you spoke about tom tom is when i say he's one of my boys he is literally i will shout that boy's praise from the rooftops <laughs> i absolutely i thought i recognized you but i absolutely love tom he is my spirit animal
1: because do you, in the UK, you watch the Australian maths. Is that right? Or do you? Have yeah, a... I love it. It's more dramatic. Yeah, because when, whenever my UK followers will be like, spoiler alert, don't tell us what happened. I was like, they're watching the Australian version. That is so funny. There's more drama here. Right. Get it that before, right? Yeah, oh,
2: that's why we love it. I'll sit there and watch it. I'm like, oh, I'm, I want to watch this. Yeah. And I actually never watched Married at First Sight until Tom was on. And I remember I messaged him on social media. I commented on one of his posts. This is how we became mutuals, And I was like, I'm so proud of you. And then me and Tom, I don't know if we friendly for but then I had to tell Tom I was straight and let him down. But I love Tom to pieces. If I was gay, Tom would be the first man that would be for me. I say this, he's a gorgeous human being. And he does a lot for the community. He stands up for trans rights and non-binary rights. Like he, He's one of the people that's educated me on a lot of stuff. And I, I take my hat off to him. He's doing it on national television. He got dragged left, right, and centre. And he's somebody that I look up to. And I go, do you know what? If Tom can do it, so can I. And he's uh he gave me advice before obviously when my TV show came out and how to handle things. And yes. I was really grateful for him. And oh, he's I, brilliant, but we completely I, just got off to topic.
1: I feel like we need a series on this podcast because there's so many different conversations we can we can unpack. But
3: literally
1: you okay, I want to talk a little bit about surgery because even you've said things like stp i have no idea what that means Even bottom surgery i'm like what even um Mm. yeah tell me what are the options out there when it comes god um because all i know is yes you can get your your breasts removed i know you can um trans uh transition from a male to a female by getting you know the bottom tucked in but that's all I really know what are the options
2: so the way I like to describe it and if any trans females do watch this and I am politically incorrect I am going to try and describe this as best as I can because I'm not a trans woman trans women have it harder to aesthetically transition but their surgeries are so much easier than ours they um have I think their surgeries they have obviously estrogen which I think they can get I, I don't know if they can get it in an injection, but I know they can get it in like a patch or like uh, esto gel, I think it's called. Yeah. I'm not clued up on how it's administered, but it's similar to obviously how testosterone is administered. They can have uh, facial feminine surgery, which is what Dylan went through. Um, they can have their Adam's apple shaved voice feminization surgery, um, like fillers, um, wow. breast augmentation. But trans women can actually grow breasts without having. Um, having a boob job because of estrogen makes them grow breast tissue. Shame it doesn't get rid of trans men with their breast tissue, but it makes trans women grow breast tissues. There also is something that is never really spoken about with their hormones. Now, trans women, I think they, they work, some trans women do word it wrong and they go, oh, we get period cramps. They should word it like we get things that are similar to period cramps because when they're on estrogen, they're blocking their testosterone in their testicles unless they've had them removed and had lower surgery which they sort of cut down the middle and took it all in and remove everything and then they have to dilate and it's so a go watch your video because it's so detailed on how to explain that i could be here for hours going into the process but they are blocking their testosterone which is their main hormone maker in their balls so it they get like a cramp and like a dull aching pain that is what a woman feels like when she gets a period so even though they don't get periods they have very similar experiences to womanhood they just can't grow a baby or have a period and those the and i think those are the only things that or oh, breast breastfeed they can't breastfeed because they've got milk ducts those are the only things that they can't they can't do that a biological woman can and it's the same with like trans men we we have hormones we can have um oh trans women can also get like laser hair therapy for like facial hair and body hair
1: yes. trans
2: men can get uneven hair transplants and things like there's so many surgical I'm procedures that they can have done like
1: Many. I just went top bottom, but even the voice, even getting your voice, um, change the shape of your face, the hair. There's so much detail that that goes into it. Um, thank you for explaining that. But yes, continue. When trans men,
2: so trans men, they is very similar to trans women. So we can get like hair transplants. We can get beard transplants. I can proudly say this is all natural, and I've grown this myself without using anything like minoxidil. Love I, that. I praise my dad for his genes and my mum, but my little brother can't grow anything, so he he gets a little bit jealous. I think I think that's why we have a bit sip of rivalry, but you know how it is. That will come in time. I keep telling him he's he's only a baby. Um, he's he's uh he's twenty now, and I say he's not a baby. He's taller than me, and he'd absolutely leather leather me if I uh if I ever got went two to two with him. He scares me. He's taller than me, so if I ever have a problem, I go. Oh, he, can you help me out because I'm only five foot six and he towers over me but there's top surgery so you can get uh peri which is um it's keyhole incisions. so they cut around the nipple and they pull it off and then they can resize the nipple and there's minimal scarage. or I'll show you what I've got so I've got double incisions which is two big slits yeah. um and uh, and then nipple grafts so I have my nipples resized so they cut my nipples off and then stick them back on and resize them Um, and remove the breast tissue yeah remove the breast tissue so some trans men opt to have some of it kept in I opted to have all of mine taken out because I tested positive for the BRCA gene which for those that don't know what the BRCA gene is it's the gene that means you could potentially have breast cancer which people who don't speak about testosterone testosterone heightens the chance of your chance of getting breast cancer infertility cervical cancer and ovarian cancer is heightened and you can also develop something called endometriosis They gatekeep that from you, and I didn't even know that till my gynecologist appointment because trans clinics do not seem to tell us a lot in the UK that. Don't know why.
1: So that's one thing you're saying is they don't tell you the risks of going on testosterone, and you just said there's so many risks of different types of cancer. That's such an important thing I think should get mentioned. So they tell us the risks in a way, but they don't delve
2: in. So I I obviously do so much research on it before I go onto any medication, and maybe that's just me. They'll tell us sort of the most common risks, but there's still that chance that you can get your heightened chance of cancer. And I actually had to correct an American guy today on live that was sat there going, oh yeah, it's helped me reduce cancer. I was like, mate, what are you, what what are you talking on? Like, do you know what I mean? Like my mates messaging me going, how do I get brand deals? Go away Parker. I'll give you the advice (laughs) later. This is what I mean. My friend's got a really big social media platform. Um, His name's Parker. Uh, Parker Brett on TikTok. Everyone needs to go check him out. I'll give him a little shout out because okay. he's very much <laughs> like me. He's got a very large platform that I will happily say that I am very jealous of. Um, but he does good he does God's work. We're we're like this. He's one of my really good friends. Love but that, like, I can't believe, I can't remember what I was saying. I've just lost track.
1: Um it's okay. ADHD <laughs> vibes. Oh what we were actually talking about before we got on yeah. whatever we were talking about was the neurodiversity part how did you discover that you had not only adhd because i feel especially in australia it's a lot not easier but adhd is uh, assessments are easier to come by than an autism yeah. assessment because it's such a specialized area how did you discover you were neurodivergent so my mum and dad always knew they always said there was something
2: i was a little bit the word's offensive now but it wasn't back in the day i was like I'm going to put in quotation marks bright a little bit different I was very I had special interests in things and I was very different to all the other kids I was more emotionally like there and like I was always wanting to hang around with adults and people older than me but I would had the naivety that I couldn't tell danger like I always said like my mum would I still can't cross the road at the age of 23 but I can still nearly get hit by cars and buses and that just says it all I was one of those kids that has no sense of danger I'm an adrenaline junkie I will like, and I'm not ashamed to admit that, yeah, I still do put myself in dangerous situations because I get the thrill of it. And that's how I've always been. But from a young age, they tried to tell my mom it was hormone imbalance. They put me on the pill at the age of 11 that made me get endometriosis, which is very common for, pardon me. It's okay. um, but it's very common for females in the UK because we don't get diagnosed with ADHD. And uh, when, I, well, when I was a female, ADHD or autism, because it's very hard to diagnose it in females. For whatever reason, it gets blamed as hormonal or it's puberty, and sometimes it's not. And this is why that you get a lot of people that don't get their diagnosis that were either trans men now, non-binary, or they're just still biological women that don't get diagnosis until their adulthood. Now I went without diagnosis till I was 19 years of age and I actually got sectioned, and that's what they triggered them to diagnose me. And they were like, Oh, we're gonna put you through an ADHD and an autism assessment. I was like my mum's been begging for this for years, and I had septicaemia when I was a baby, not long after the meningitis vaccine. And I, my, they're trying to link it back to that, that that could be one of the reasons why, with me having meningitis, that it could could have caused my ADHD and my autism. Yeah. When I got that diagnosis, there wasn't that much support. They kind of were just like, yeah, here's your diagnosis. Yes. You can have counselling. And they just left me to it. And I was like, well, I've just come out as trans. I'm trying to find out who the hell I am. Now you're telling me I've got things wrong with me. So what, and now you're telling me I'm not going to be seen for, like, you, I'm not going to be seen for years by an NHS and I need to save for my surgery because you're going to tell me it's going to be five years till I'm seen. What on earth am I going to do? And I was sat there and I was like, I don't understand. Like, and I sat there and I felt lost. I felt like I was in a room, re- like, I could be in a room full of people and nobody would see me.
3: Mm.
2: And that's why I do the job that I do now because there is so many trans men and women out there that get these diagnoses, whether it just be gender dysphoria or they're neurodivergent like me, that we feel alone and nobody gets us because being, being neurodivergent, having ADHD and autism, and everyone bullses me for my, my pronunciation of words, but I'm awful because I've got veneers and I lisp and whatever. Mm. But I always say to people like, Having those two things, it made, like, my whole life flipped on the upside down. And I was like, well, how do I navigate life now? Like, what are people going to think? I was petrified to tell people because I've always been a little bit quirky, mm. right? And now it's sort of up at the point where I don't give a shit if people don't like me or not. I'm going to be me and I'm going to be my hyperactive, bubbly self. And it's got me this far. So yes. why should I ever hide where I'm going to be? And it's the same with people coming out as transgender. Like, I always say to people, you just need to be yourself because... no no one can be like the world is a boring place right Mm. like no one can be yourself better than yourself so why would you want to be like anybody else because yourself is perfect and just because you might not have found your people yet like I'm 23 years of age my life isn't perfect Jesus I've gone through you are so young I feel old though I feel like I'm going great at 23 I feel like I'm in my 30s oh my god people think I'm older when you said you were
1: 23 at the start I was like (laughs) What? I'm like
2: everyone gets so
1: shocked. young I don't, I don't think you know how young you are but um yes the you're so right so many people get slapped a diagnosis and it's like okay bye and this is one of the reasons I get asked a lot how do you get diagnosed so in Australia either a psychiatrist can diagnose or a psychologist but you have to get diagnosed by a psychiatrist for medication if you want uh medication yeah, yeah. but then the, that's all they do they prescribe they assess and they're like, "Bye." There's no treatment plan. Oh. People get this diagnosis. They're like, "Okay, thanks."
2: I had to wait ages for my. From, I had to get. I had to go back to the clinic that I obviously got because I, I went through right NHS right to like choose to get my to get my medication this time. And at this point, I was a bit like, "Okay," and they gave me a list of medication, and it just had. I don't read a lot, right? And I'll tell you what: these documents that they send me, they gave me like six different medications told me briefly what they did and I was like what the like and it confused my little brain so I just got to the point where I literally just turned around to the prescriber and I was like right what medication isn't going to make me flip isn't not going to affect my sleep and is not going to suppress my hunger little did I know they all suppress my hunger and then I forgot to take them well mm. I've run out of medication they've only just come today when you don't have that medication you feel it the next day because you are hungry and you I've eaten my whole house out of house and home yes. at the moment it's, like, it's very much like I say to people that smoke marijuana it's like having munchies when you come off that medication yeah. because it's yeah. and i know when i go back up by 60 milligrams, right. my head is going to be
1: if you don't mind me asking are you on stimulants
2: yeah i'm on lix
1: i think it's called okay yeah there's different, I can't different it. in different yeah, countries but i'm on a stimulant yeah for those listening stimulants are Uh, medication commonly prescribed for adhd which can suppress your appetite which can be problematic but it can be good for eating disorders um because here we see a lot of comorbidity with eating disorders and adhd but you're saying you've noticed yeah your appetite has changed when you're when you're not on them has it helped um you at all like the medication have you found a difference my brain feels quiet
2: yeah the first time in years it's like i have peace I Don't get me wrong, I think I'm still getting used to them. With I, I'm a little bit antsy, and it feels like I think it's just gem. I've, I'm blaming that down to hormones because it was like I was like that before anyway. But I think the first time I tried them, I thought I was dying. I rang my mum thinking I was dying, right? My jaw was going, my eyes were dying. I was like, What on earth is this? I didn't know that. Well, mm-hmm. when I spoke to my mum about I knew what a stimulant was, I didn't realize it was legalized speed, and I was like, What? I was like, uh, the only the only drug that I've ever done is is cannabis. Like, I've never done anything else of, like, oh, I say I haven't. I've dabbled in other things. But I've never done anything that would make my brain go, like, woo. I rang my mum going, what on earth? But I FaceTimed, and my jaw was, she was like, it's fine. You're going to get used to them. It will take a few days. It's just, it's a stimulant. It's legalised speed. And I looked at her, I was like, what? Yes. And she was like, yeah, it's legalised speed. And I was like, oh, my God. And I didn't realise and until I started Googlizing, oh, what, is, Googlizing, Googling, <laughs> Google-izing, what is it was like <laughs> legalized speed. This is, And I was like, oh my God, what? But I didn't read the information booklet because I was just like at this point, ADHD is, are we really going to sit there and read four or five pages worth of information yeah. about what a side effect is going to do? All I knew was that it's made me have, the worst side effect for me is dry mouth, that's it. But I can tell I've not had them because my brain is going.
1: Yes, yes. And it's so, yeah, because usually when, People with ADHD take stimulants. It has the opposite effect. If someone without ADHD took stimulants, they'd feel really wired and, you know, uh, high or whatever. But when people take it, when they have ADHD, they feel calm. But it sounds like it takes a while to get to that point. Like there's still an adjustment period. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. I say that for everybody. It's kind of like any medication, though. Like your body's getting used to it. And I think because I've never taken anything i think i I probably thought I overthought it in my head and probably got myself into that state of mind where it was kind of like i don't know whether it was a placebo or if i just petrified myself when i found that it was legalized speed and with anxiety and like yeah. i have really bad health anxiety in general anyway that i panicked and i was like oh my god what and i think i just made i did my blood pressure or whatever i did it was ridiculous i thought i can't submit that i was like i'll give it a couple of days and then it's 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 believe it or yeah. not it's not too low and it's not too high it's normal and it's yeah. But believe it or not, it was really high before I started and now it's leveled. So I generally think, yeah, it's made me a lot when I'm on it, obviously not right now, but I'm normally a lot less chaotic and I'm a lot, I because the worry for me and I think with ADHD medication was that it was going to change me as a person and remove yes. my bubbly self. And in reality, it hasn't. I'm still that person. I'm just yes. a little bit more reined in. Yes. so to speak but it's not a major change I'm still scatty as hell I'm just more organized, scatty organized as hell.
1: organized chaos and a lot of people say that yeah. oh, is ADHD medication gonna change me and I describe it as the Cinderella effect don't worry at midnight when it wears off you're gonna go back to the pumpkin and all the magic is, is gonna um wear off so it doesn't actually change your your personality okay Before we wrap up, I also just want to know, you mentioned you're going to Canada and if you're comfortable talking about it, um, tell us a little bit about that.
2: So I met somebody from TikTok called Ashley that lives over in Canada and she is amazing. When I say that she's amazing, she is like, she's from the first nations community, like her family, absolutely brilliant. Like she's got ADHD, brother's got ADHD. Like she understands how my brain works. So I'm not worried about going over there and she is, like, we were speaking about, like, transgender surgery in the UK, and I said that, I like, my personal opinion is I don't like the surgery results. Please don't take my word for it, but some of the results that I've seen, they look like a Greg sausage roll. I'm sorry if anybody is eating a Greg oh, sausage roll right now. A, a Greg what sausage, sausage roll? roll? A Greg sausage roll. It's a, a a chain restaurant, fast food place in the UK that has sausage rolls, and, like, it's, like, the, the famous thing that the UK's got is, like, a Greg sausage roll. If you come here, you need to get one.
1: Okay, I will. Oh, I don't know. Okay, maybe I will. <laughs> we'll see how I go. No, but, but obviously it we're like talking it talking about bottom surgery,
2: which is for there's two different females
1: transitioning to males. Males,
2: yeah. There, it's
1: mm.
2: when I say you're better off watching the diagram video. Don't watch the actual surgical procedure if you do have a uh weak stomach because I don't have a weak stomach and I was like, oh my god, what it's such an intensive surgery and for the like the UK I don't think our trans healthcare surgeries in terms of lower surgeries is at the best and it's pure potential I really don't um so that's why I have looked into Montreal with Ash and I'm going to speak to them when I'm over there and sort of potentially see if there is something with them that I can set up for us UK trans men to go over there with the world best surgeon one of the world's best surgeons is over there I've seen their results like they are the well, some of the best that I've seen that there's a way that we can get health insurance over there or the UK because they're part of our monarchy can work with them and go listen we've got these people maybe we'll pay you three thousand pound fee to get them over there for the hospital fees per surgery stage because it's three stages if you're having fallopacity, and I think I don't know too much about I think it's called Meta, but it's just, it's not, you can't penetrate with it. But Fallow, they take the skin grafts, they build everything around it. It's such an in that it'll probably get a banana if I speak about it in too much detail because.
1: Well, I don't know anything. I didn't even know that transitioning to a man, creating a penis was a thing. I didn't know about that. I thought maybe they wear strap-ons. I don't know I didn't know there was actually my mum
2: thought the exact same thing my mum was like so do you just and I think there's always the common question is like if a trans man was a woman does that make her a lesbian no because lesbians like women and trans men identify as men even though they have women genitalia. and like yes I get genitalias need to be defined in terms of biology and in terms of hospital for treatment yeah it doesn't define who you are as a person like for me, I'm put down in something that's called MX, which is a gender-neutral term in terms of my title, but I'm on both registers at the hospital. As I later found out when I went for my egg retrieval, that I originally got referred to the sperm bank and not the egg retrieval clinic. So when I got... Yeah, I had to ring up and speak to her. I think it was, she was like a 70-year-old lady, by the sounds of her. I'm sorry if she does watch this, and it was you that I was speaking <laughs> to. I was like, I've been referred to the sperm clinic, and I have not got sperm. She was like, well, you're a male. I was like... I'm a trans male I'm a trans man with a vagina with eggs that need removing and oh, she was yeah. like oh I'm sorry um let me put you through to somebody and I think she was I think she felt awful and I was like listen I went and I went, put me on loudspeaker or whatever. And I said, it's the lady who was. but I went, don't worry. I said, I get it. I said, I actually feel quite flattered that people thought I was biologically a man. But unfortunately, <laughs> I ain't got the facilities for that. And I made them buckle. And I've done it before. Like I go for gynecology appointments and I was told to once, you're in the wrong place. I went, have you not seen a man with a vagina? Made all these pregnant women that were going for these scans just buckle. My doctor, I'd never even met her for the first time because we'd only spoken on the phone during COVID. Yeah, Like, all the student nurses, because she invited them in when she was doing my scan. She was like, is it OK? I went, listen, they're never going to see a man with a vagina again. So, yeah, sure, why not? Because I'm all about teaching people, and I'm all about, like, if I can help students yes. that are coming into the medical profession, I don't care if they want to see what my food looks like at the moment. Like, it's not a pretty sight. Um, I've got bottom growth, which looks like I've got a mini penis. <laughs> um, and at Just the moment, it's not a pretty you're... sight.
1: Just trigger warning we might get a bit graphic here but so the hormones do they make you grow down there
2: yeah you know a woman's clitoris is like I think it's like 12 inches deep and it comes out so it looks like a mini penis google when you come off out of curiosity anybody that wants to google it um female to male so ftm bottom growth and it's you have to treat it as a separate genitalia you have to keep it clean because if you're 'Cause testosterone can sometimes dry you out down there. It can cause you, like I've had one and like like cysts or like a uh, like friction burns and they're painful when you get them underneath. And it's like me and my friend Tommy say it's lifting the car bonnet and cleaning under the hood yeah. is what we call it and how to clean it to all these trans boys. But like you need to clean it. Like you need to clean it as a second genitalia because even like essentially you are growing down there, it can get uncomfortable. If you're not cleaning it and you're getting pieces of, like your lint of your boxes stuck under there, it can cause a whole array of problems. And I didn't know about it until somebody told me about it and I made a video about it. And I think that video ended up with like 60,000 views and people were like, what? Bottom no, grossest. No. No. And half the time my mates have gone, can we see a picture of it? And I've gone, do you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Oh like, this is what it looks like. <laughs> but I'm that open with my friends. And I think to so the point is that my friends have yeah. said after lower surgery, I'm just going to put it in, put my piece like when it's finished in a group chat being like, here it is. And then say to everybody else, you can subscribe for £20. You know a complete... Guys send dick pics
1: all the time. So why yeah. is it any
2: different? Um, Mine's a man-made one. I'm going to call it, it builder dick because I get to pick the size, <laughs> the length, and the girth. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to go too big. Just it, and it point will point. always be circumcised as well. It will always be circumcised.
1: Oh, my gosh. So essentially, going back to the options of bottom surgery, so we know hormones can essentially grow out or ex- extend the clitoris, What's then the next option or options? So you can have in terms of lower surgery
2: if you choose to. Not not every trans man has to have lower surgery, some opt not to, because it is an invasive procedure and it is very painful. It's three operations for three different stages and you're under the knife for a long time if you do get fallow. I don't know much about meta, but I know it's they pull the clit out and they make it look like a, a more masculine down there, but you can't penetrate. Mm-hmm. they take a skin graft off your forearm your thigh or your stomach for me I'll be opting for my thigh because I ain't having it off my arm I was like Mm-mm, not doing it I'll have it off my thigh um so they build a shaft um around like they sort of it's, they sort of roll it up and they build it off the clitoris because your clit gets really sensitive so you'll still have feeling and they put they obviously connector pull your urethra. You've already had your hysterectomy done at this point. They then put either a rod, which means it you can bend it into shape and bend it into being hard, or you can have a pump, which they put the pump inside obviously the 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 penile. Um what's it called? The the the, the model, I'm gonna call it the model because I can't think of the correct terminology to use right now. But they basically put it inside the penis and the pump goes in the balls, which they silicon balls, um, that it's same if guys had testicular cancer, they get the same type of balls that I'm going to have, yes. and you pump it five times to get hard, and five times to go down, and you can stay hard for six hours. So essentially, if I well, obviously if I get a girlfriend and she was like I want sex, she could just squeeze my balls five times to get me up, and we can have sex whenever we want, wherever we want,
1: and where wow, I don't have to I worry about not, getting a erection. I do not know. So you can have pretty much a fully functioning penis. That is so
2: the surgery. The surgery actually originated from one of the world wars because men in the army were getting their dicks blown off, and that is where phalloplasty originated from. And it became a transgender surgery. It is the same with women in the war that ended up getting their vaginas sort of and like things like FGM came about. That is where designer vaginas, which is what trans women have, came from. And that's what obviously people don't realize that a lot of these surgeries. Came from biological men and women, and a lot of these treatments came from you guys. That sort of it's now been transferred over to trans healthcare, and there's a lot that people don't realise. I didn't know that until I was just curious and wanting to know the history behind phalloplasty and where it all started. And I think it was I did a so, like a social media dive and like a Google dive, and I was starting reading into it. I was like, wow, because I originally didn't want bottom surgery. I was like, no, it looks scary, it doesn't look nice. I then had top surgery, and I was like, yeah, no, I want a penis now, like. It's gonna make me feel complete, in my opinion. But everyone's different. Like some people don't even want top surgery and they just leave their top off because it's so mm-hmm. small. Others want top surgery. Don't want bottom surgery. Like others want to be on hormones or want to microdose. Like it, because some people don't want the the growth down there, which is very uncomfortable and very sensitive in your boxes. I was like it's
1: say but- like thinking about a, an enlarged clitoris. I know every woman or whoever's listening to this, male or female um I don't know what we're all thinking like is it sensitive do you get easily stimulated I get morning
2: glory with it every morning I get morning glory um when oh this is so TMI and I really hope the last person that I did do the deed with to stop watching this so when we were you know having a little bit of dream fun the women and trans men will know this if you're the trans men will know this if you're on hormones so even women will know this if you've got you know a sensitive clitoris with my clitoris being very sensitive once i have you know orgasmed if a girl carries on i can't i can't come more than once in a row like i used to because it is so sensitive it like it doesn't hurt but it's like i need to pee i'm like no get off and it got yes. i think i pushed at the other one but i was like no get off i can't take it and i just feel like it's that's what makes me feel more dysphoric because of how sensitive it is because everything down there is heightened yes. and i'm sat and i've noticed myself i don't know if every other trans man experiences this and i i don't ever want to ask women that i've dated that i know that have been with trans men before mm. because my cum is very thick and i don't know if it's just me Or if it's other trans men, but I don't ever want to go and ask one of my trans boys, "Hey, mate, is your cum really watery like a normal, like like normally how it used to be, or is it like thick like sperm?" Like I don't know who to speak to. I've tried googling it, nothing comes up, and uh, like the only thing that came up was you might have an STI. Just to clarify, I don't. I I have regular checks, but that was scaremongering. And and apparently, I could have cancer. But then again, you Google anything, Google tells you. You Google any, you Google symptoms, everything's cancer nowadays. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing so yeah. i'm still at a point where i well i'm waiting to speak to my gentle clinic next and i'm like well what is this and why is my cum thick is this normal because i don't know it's been getting yeah, yeah. worse since i had obviously my eggs retrieved and i'm thinking is that maybe just my hormone imbalance or is that my cum changing because my my hormone levels are changing or is that is there something wrong
3: big, like
2: yeah. not and too. my gynecologist can't tell me either because she's not specialized in it because i asked her she was like no I can try to find out the answer and get back to you. But she went, I, I don't have the definitive answer. But she even tried to Google got an NHS and it didn't come up with anything, but telling me I had an SDI. But we did do the SDI check to test and I'm clean. But we were just like, well, what is this? And it's sort of like, mm. I don't know if I'm the only trans man out there suffering with it. So if there is any trans man that does waffle. let us this, know. <laughs> Let me know, please, because I don't want to be the only one. that I'm some medical anonymity. This has just happened to But I generally think, because my testosterone was level like really high as a female I was always meant to be like always meant to be boy like a boy because I had high testosterone I had little whiskers when I was a female and like, I was so embarrassed by it I was like oh but then at the same time I was like no oh, no I like that but then I couldn't like that because people around me were like oh what you've got I was really hairy as a female like really hairy like I've got
1: what's your background
2: I'm, I'm part Italian so that oh, is my background I'm Greek uh, like
1: I, you know I've got to wax the whiskers every couple of weeks so I can relate you know um, like, so you're part Italian
2: yeah the armpit hair yeah. um I've actually shaved my arms because I've had new tattoos done but normally my arms are really hairy and me being a, a very hairy female I got quite bullied and judged at school because not all I was growing leg hair like thick leg hair at the age of like 10 I yeah. came out with a full hair of back like back hair like yeah. when I came out my mum and I came out with a full head hair, lost it all when I was a baby and then grew it all back and grew my beautiful, well, same beautiful lock i just had a haircut today, but grew my beautiful long hair, cut it all off, uh, looked a bit like Ruby Rose before I transitioned. Um, Well, before I went on to hormones, medical transitioned, everyone was like, oh, my God, you look like the male version of Ruby Rose. And now I just look like Dimitri and I look very much like my dad. So,
1: <laughs> Yes, I love it. I think your whole image and vibe just fits together so well and yeah that's what made me so intrigued to meet you and speak to you I don't think I've even asked half the questions on my list but this was so much better and more interesting and I feel it just really naturally flowed but uh, Dimitri I have a question from our listeners and it was how can we best ally to support our lovely trans friends and family is there any tips around that that you have?
2: Don't ever tell us that you understand what we're going through because it will just infuriate us. Just say, listen, we might not understand it. We probably won't ever fully understand it, but we want to be there for you. Check what our pronouns are. Ask what we're comfortable with. Like, just, just accept us and just treat us as normal, not like some alien with a third eye or with a human being with an extra toe or a finger. Like, we just, we just don't want to be seen as any different. Like, we already know we're different. We don't need anybody else pointing that out. We just. I guess we just want people like in terms of what I always say in terms of allies supporting trans people as they're going through a hard time like I've been through how the last year on social media is trans man with online trolling making sure that other people are okay like within the community like even if you're not friends with somebody like an ally and I will say this an ally is not somebody that chooses who they want to support they support everybody regardless if you don't like somebody or don't agree with somebody you can't be an ally unless you support all you can't pick and choose who you want to support when it fits your narrative and it's why I'm a firm believer, and I will always say this, people will only support what they when it what they want to when it fits their narrative, just like people will say mental health matters but only cares about their own and the people that they care about, but they'll say mental health matters for all. Mm. And it's true. We want people who are allies that will support us, but we know that if we're ever in the wrong and we ever need a bit of a telling off, that you'll be there, but you won't condescend contra- us or speak down to us. you would be like, actually, you could have said this better. Like I have people come to me and I'm very... I used to think constructive criticism was an attack. And I think a lot of trans people, we go to a toxic, toxic trans era when people are trying to just advise us on something. Like, mm. God, the amount of stupid haircuts I've had and hair colours. And mm. if some people hadn't told me, what the hell you are doing and what are you wearing? Because that don't match. Maybe 18, 19-year-old me would have been, oh, fuck off, you're just being nasty. You're, you're transphobic. Mm. Me in eighteen, nineteen would have said that. But in reality now, looking back at it, when I'm a little bit more grown, I'm a little more established, I'm like, do you know what? Let me take a step back actually you might be right about this and just opening your eyes and I think that just doesn't only just go for my tra- like allies it goes to trans people as well because
3: mm. trans
2: people want respect we also have to give that back out as well we can't just take 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 it's yeah. got to be 50 50 and not all the time it's going to be 50 50 sometimes a trans it might be 70 30 and sometimes from both ends sometimes an ally might need a bit of help and support because they're getting stick off bigots or it might be a trans person that's getting stick of bigots that need allies to come and stand together. Or it might be trans people getting hate off their own community for all, you know, because that happens a lot. Yeah. Like, I think it's just mutual respect and mutual understanding and just ne- never trying to take away from anybody's experience. Because me as a trans man, I, will, I know I can speak on womanhood because I lived as a woman, but I'll never try and take away what a man is or what like I say what a man is what a biological man is and what manhood is because I've never experienced that I've experienced manhood in my own right and my own way and I've transitioned well gone through life the same way as sort of a biological male would but just not genetically I do not need anybody in my comments telling me you're not biologically male I know I can't change genetics and I'm okay with that like I can change how I look and what hormones I've got and I can also get to pick my uh my willy size which I'm very grateful to be able to do, and most men have to pay for a penis enlargement for that. But wow. I can get mine on the NHS for free. So who's winning? Oh my gosh. And it's I... what I always say to people men can hate me, but I don't have to ever worry about contraception because I'll shoot blanks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you wrap up to stay safe, if you're sleeping multiple partners, but right. Does it actually I also shoot? get to. Does it shoot? I think some people say that they can shoot. Some people have said that they can't. I think it depends on the person. Okay. I've seen... I have been curious and have watched from transform because I've been curious to see... I only know one person and oh. he's not fully finished his, his lower surgery yet. I've only seen one person I know personally and there's not enough... Tra- there's not much penis trans... I'm not subscribing to somebody's OF to go no. and have a look at their PP. I'm going to try and find it on on like sites like Pornhub but obviously I'm going to be curious and have a look because want I want to know how to you're gonna,
1: well. if you're going to go through the surgery like any other surgery you want to see you want to know you want to understand but it sounds like it is such a I don't know not spoken about or not shown or I'm not sure no. uh what well you... I'm going to document the whole of mine
2: That's... but I've said to people as well I'm going to be I'm going to be a virgin again essentially yeah. Like, I've gone to, I've gone to two he's lived two lives, but I'm going to be a virgin again. So te- does that mean my body can't reset? Because this is what <laughs> I've been trying to think. Because technically, i am now got a piece. Well, I will have a piece. Doesn't that reset? Or does it? will it stay the same? And I don't know this question. And there's controversy about it. And I've sort yeah. of gone, well, surely it has reset because nobody's touched it before. I've not put it in anyone. Yeah. So surely it would reset, but then at the same time, you can't take away that obviously before you've had lower surgery, and if you do choose to do so, you've you've done stuff with other things that look like a penis and work like a penis. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that I'm very much like, huh? Eh? And this is the conversation we need to be having with allies because there's so much stuff out there that I've probably spoken with you today and people can be sat here and going, What? I never knew that oh, because I'm it's not my... out
1: there. People need to start speaking about it. Exactly. And Thank you. I've learned so much. But when I was doing my, um, I did my clinical master's during COVID and we, I love that we did a subject on um, gender diversity and these sorts of topics. And one of the things they mentioned, which I think may tie into the reason maybe there's not enough um, research out there. Maybe people who've had this surgery don't feel comfortable talking about it or expressing how that went. But there was a statistic that Apparently, 50% of people who do have surgery regret it. Have you heard that statistic or do you know if that's common? And apparently, when that does happen, they're often shamed or ridiculed by the community because they've been this, I guess, perspective, they've they've spoken out about it, and then they've decided, oh, no, I I don't want that anymore, and people don't vibe with that.
2: It's difficult because I'd like to say there are people that don't regret, there are people that don't regret our surgeries. I damn straight don't regret mine. Mm. There are some people that do, but that depends on that and that doesn't hold a whole community accountable. That's just them as an individual. That's ultimately their story and I, I would never want to detransition so I can't speak on a detransitioner. I, I'm not, I'll sit here and happily admit I'm not clued up on it. I guess from what I have seen, it tends to be children that, were forced into it that like
3: Mm.
2: from what i've looked at backgrounds and stories of detransitioners that's how they've painted out it might not have been like that but i don't know because i don't know the ins and outs of it but i know for me i definitely don't regret getting my tits cut off because that means i can live my life freely i don't regret self-medicating i don't regret being on hormones and i know there's a there's a whole debate about it but i wouldn't say it's 50 percent. i think that's a reach i think that's just bigoted people trying to make it a lot worse than what it is
1: yeah, and that's, look that's, at what they're
2: doing with the ADHD community, for example, in the UK. They're trying to throw private NHS right to choose clinicians under the bus because what they want to make the NHS all private and take as much money off the um, off the poor and keep feeding the rich. That's yeah. the way that the world crumbles. Anything that doesn't fit the government's narrative, they will put anything that they can out there and try and defame people. Trans people are valid, and they are real, and gender dysphoria is really fucking hard to go through. Not many people, and there's a statistic, make it to their 30th birthday in the UK.
1: Wow. Because of the oh healthcare Is that because of the suicide? UK. Or because of That's
2: that? Mental health, suicide. It could be loads of things. It could be anything. Because gender dysphoria is a silent killer, and it's not spoken about enough. It's not easy. People who just think, oh, it's just hating your own gender, Imagine waking up in the in the same body every single day, and constant reminder that you've got female parts or male parts, and you sit there. and I still hate my body right now, and I've had majority of my transition done. I'm not completely happy. Mm. Like I look at my, I, I want to lose more weight. I still look at my chest. I've still got two big scars. That yes, I know they're getting covered. I'm grateful for having it. But at the same time, I never spoke about with me. I was originally meant to get Perry. Me finding out that I was having to have double incisions broke my heart because of my history with scars. Mm. I had to sit there, triggered, and I got trolled on social media for posting my scar results two weeks after top surgery by another trans person that was pre-op. And that broke my heart. And I still believe that is the reason why I'm not happy with my chest. I know my chest is perfect, don't like... I think I know myself that it's perfect and everybody else tells me, but it goes back to what I'm saying. Regardless if I look very masculine, I am sounding a little bit more masculine and my hormones are levelling out and things are getting a little bit back to normal. Mm. That doesn't take away from one shitty comment. And
1: I mean, it's the mental, the mental battle. And I think it's so important that people recognise, even as Myself, you can be doing all the right things. You can go to the gym. You can eat healthy. You can have the surgery, but doesn't mean you're going to be satisfied because body image fluctuates. And you can have a day where, like, yeah, like my chest is looking good. Or
2: oh god, I look really bloated after I came out of surgery, thinking I was going to look. I think this is a message for trans men out there and trans women that you you, you're not going to come off that surgery table looking like a candle or a Barbie doll. You're going to have bruising. You're going to have swelling. Your body's not going to look great. Like. Like I say, it's not going to look great. You're going to look amazing because you've got what you want, but you're, you're not going to be Thank looking God. like these people that have had surgeries two, three years ago because they don't show the the good, the bad and the ugly. They go, oh, this is top surgery. You're going to get it with a year. You're going to get hormones. I do not put that false narrative out there. I say to people, listen, I waited seven years for top surgery and I'm glad, damn sure that I'm glad I waited because I was mentally prepared for that. So when they went, yes, I'm not going to that there and I... I sat there with post op blues, and I was scared, like petrified. I was like, "What?" That I became very depressed because I'd removed two things that have been there for so long. And sometimes I get what I call phantom boob. This Edouard side, boob.
1: yes. What's phantom? Yeah. Boob?
2: It's like I feel it's weird. This side of my chest that is the more sensitive, we're both just right? I'll sometimes feel.
3: Right
2: yeah, that we're both just sat there, so wait, and do you know you what's you weird? Do I you feel even up.
1: though they're gone, you still have breasts.
2: Do you know what's weird? What's fair I to got my breast removed. It's like it's you know when somebody gets to like an amputee gets their leg cut off and they say okay. that they can feel their leg even though it's yes. no longer there. That's what I what some trans men get with their with their chest that we sometimes feel that there's a because my comfort thing even though I was really sorry about my chest sometimes if I was like really down I do still like just grab a tit and just sit there and I think it got to a point where I just I was at the point where I was like listen they're coming off anyway like let me just. And I was one of those people that I didn't bind all the time at home. I only binded when I was going anywhere. And that wasn't much, really, because I was dysphoric. So I was just like, you know what, what's the point of me binding at home? Unless I'm making a TikTok video or going anywhere, there's no point. And I think I just got to a point where I was like, right, they're coming off soon. Let's leave it at that sort of thing. And that's the way that I've been. But not every trans person thinks like that. And I always say with dysphoria, dysphoria is what you make of it. But at the same time, you are in control of your dysphoria the minute you let it control you it's the minute that you're lo- fighting a losing battle it's like
3: mm. looking
2: at your worst fear in the face and thinking you know what fuck you you ain't gonna beat me and eventually it will look at you and it'll be like oh he or she's like he she, she or they like mm. not scared of me anymore yeah. I'm just gonna leave them alone and I'm gonna occasionally try and weep my way back in like it does but eventually when you turn around and say fuck you you ain't beating me your world's oyster and it takes a while to get to that point it's not gonna happen straight away it's not gonna happen overnight it takes a hell of a lot of
1: self-preservation
2: and really loving yourself
1: yeah It, it takes so much work and I think one of the main things that has come out of this episode is just how much work you need to do mentally you can have all the surgeries you can do this you can do that but it's the work of yeah challenging those beliefs or when you're having a bad body image day or when you come out of surgery and you expect you're going to look perfect and it's it's it takes time and you have scars and I've seen this from people who've had breast implants um or nose jobs or whatever it's not like that so oh my gosh Dimitri we need to bring you back because you are just a wealth of knowledge you have taught me so much and I absolutely love what you're doing and you're bringing this awareness but wait there's one more question seahorse you need to tell us what a seahorse oh my god right
2: so i spoke about seahorse dads which is basically a pregnant trans man now i love the term seahorse dad absolutely love it so for people that want to google a bit about seahorses it's seahorse dads or male seahorses can get pregnant and they are the—I believe—they're the only animal in the sea that can get pregnant if they're genetically a male. So, or this is where the term "seahorse dad" comes from because trans men are men, regardless of what we've got down there. And some trans men decide to carry, and that's where the term "seahorse dad" came from. And it's a beautiful term, and it's a term not many people know of or hear of. And when they hear it, they're like, "That's such a beautiful term." And I have a lot of respect for the guys that do that in my community. I couldn't think about pushing a baby at my hoo-ha, let alone being trans and doing it. Like, that would me mess up my school in the next level. But do you know what? You do you, boo. You do, do you know what? I say it. Hats off because they, they're they going through something that, one, not most trans men can fucking put themselves through. Fuck me, I took my eggs out through. Then that was hard enough. I couldn't imagine birthing my own kid. Mm. I've, I'll, I'll get a surrogate repartment for that. Like, no. But... I always say, it doesn't matter if they want to carry or not, let them live their life. If yeah. It's not just trans men that are in gay relationships that do this. Trans men might be with a biological woman like yourself, and you might have fertility problems and might not be able to carry, and that trans man might be fertile, might be able to carry, and that's the reason why they choose. There's so many reasons wow. that they can choose, whether it be they're in a gay relationship, they're in a heterosexual relationship, they're in a bisexual relationship. Maybe they just haven't got a surrogate, or they just want to do it on their own and just experience it. And that's people's own prerogative. And I'm sick of people seeing people talk about it that have... One, I sit there and talk about it, I'm not exactly clued up on it, but I know enough about it from seeing friends go through it mm. and hearing about friends that want to go through it. But seeing people on there that are going, oh, well, they're not real men because they're deciding to carry. I will put this analogy out there to people. If they're not real men because they can't carry, does that mean that women who are infertile and can't carry babies aren't real women then? Mm-hmm. Because that's by your analogy. So... Yeah. That, yeah. And it's for the women that are saying our oh, trans men are taken away from women's rights. You do realise on these pa- these forms in the UK that say chest feeder, um, uh, parent one, parent two, whatever it says on the forms. They're not on there to take away your rights. They're literally on there to make it more inclusive. It's like when you go to a workplace and you tick what skin colour you are, what language you speak, what, heter- what uh, sexuality, where... Um, what your religious views are, it's the same as that form. You don't, it's not taking away your rights. Like you're getting confused with in America where you've got the, the left-wing activists like Jeffrey Marsh that are going, We demand that you do this. And I'm like, most of us UK lot are like, You crazy motherfucker, what the hell do you want about? We're just trying to live our lives, and what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah, th- people like that, that's not a good representation of people like me. we we I promise you, we are we are normal. Some of us, mm Titter on the side of normal, but we're all normal? different.
1: What is what normal is normal? Right? We're, we're all, all coming
2: in different all shapes and sizes. Exactly, and it's why I always say, like before I go, like that you can't de- like what is a woman and what is a man? You can't define it because they all come in different shapes and sizes. So why are you trying to define a trans person and what we identify as?
1: Exactly, you, you- and why I feel the need to? I mean, it's not useful. It's not effective. And I think people who also have something to say on social media just be mindful of what you say but all the people listening to this I know are amazing and are supportive so Dimitri oh I don't want to say goodbye this we I feel like I know about, but we I need know to catch very, up again I know it's because very there's
2: so much I think we want to say but we ain't got enough time to say it and that no. is the problem because we both talk a lot and then there's so because obviously like I said to you this is what people think that trans people like Like the community is just so like this small. Yes, it's it's like the spectrum with ADHD and autism. It's so big and vast, and there's so many different branches, and I'm still learning.
1: Yes, and until we have you on the show next, make sure everyone you go check out Dimitri's page if you want to learn even more about this topic. Dimitri, tell the listeners where can they find you? Plug your socials, anything you want. So,
2: I'm on Instagram and TikTok. They are both the same. The inked up Dimitri. in terms of it, I just talk shit online about my transition. Give my opinion. ruffle a few feathers. I'm like Marmite. People either love me or hate me. But at the end of the day, that's just life. There's, I'm not going to please everybody. So, and I've only got one life. I don't. I don't really care what Karen from Number Forty Two, Zoo Lane, tells me that she hates me and I. I affect her life so much, and that I'm doing. I'm sinning, God. Well, shocks to be you, boo. Because I'm Catholic and my faith actually accept me. So you can't yeah. preach God to me when. I sit there and I go to church and I I'll happily admit that like I sit there and I practice my faith still like just because I'm transgender doesn't mean that I don't have a right to do things that everybody else does and I right. don't really care what yeah. some random person says on the internet I don't need anybody's validation I'm, I'm the internet myself and I think I've gone through life caring about so much what people think about me that it's for
3: awesome. the first
2: time over the last few days I've been myself and I've gone the mask isn't there anymore and this is me and people can either Take it or leave it. If you don't like it, keep your mouth shut. And if you you do, then go follow me, please. Thanks.
1: (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much, uh, Dimitri. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. having you on the show and yes thank you so much for everything you share and putting your vulnerability online and speaking with me today if you love this episode everyone take a screenshot tag us both on instagram if you want to hear from us both again in an interview together let us know what topics you want covered leave a rating leave a subscribe follow all the things have an amazing day and thank you so much dimitri
2: thank you for speaking to me
1: thank you